Hello and welcome to the ITM podcast. ITM is the Institute of Travel Management, the UK Business Travel Industries Not-for-Profit Association. This episode is kindly brought to you in partnership with Clarity Business Travel. Our thanks to the great team at Clarity for helping us put this podcast together. So each time I'm joined by an industry expert to help enlighten and inform us on topics that our members need to know more about. And today is the second part of our podcast with Karen Hutchins. Karen is the Global Head of Travel, Meetings and Events at EY and of course ITM Chair. Welcome back, Karen. Hello, nice to be back again. So we've got so much to talk about, we thought we'd better do two different episodes with you. Um, so now we're going to focus a little bit more on the future role of the travel buyer. And firstly, I just want to ask, because we get lots of questions at ITM about people on the supplier side that are interested in uh, moving across to the buyer side. Uh, they obviously think it looks fun and challenging and they'd like to give it a go. What are your thoughts on that and what would you advise people? I mean, I think it's great. I did that myself. I was um, a supplier and then I came into the buyer world. I think go with your eyes wide open. I think there's a view as to what it may be like being in a travel manager role or a travel buyer. And I think the reality could be quite different once you get in there. You have much more restrictions to follow from a policy perspective. Um, for a start. Also, I think that internal stakeholder engagement probably is not appreciated. I would also encourage everybody, if you know, specifically if they're from the airline or hotel world, to get an understanding of the agency world as well. I think you can look at one area from a supplier, but the agency, you get much broader view. And I think it's probably more closely aligned to being a travel manager buyer and so I would always encourage any of the suppliers, rail, car rental, hotels, airlines, actually to get that understanding in advance of going for roles mm. that could be at the buyer. Um, because I think that will just give you that edge over perhaps somebody that hasn't done that. I think that's great advice. Actually, the, the time that I spent working for TMC, I probably learned more than the rest of the, the, the places, the supplier side places put together as far as the psyche of the buyer, what their day to day life is like doesn't quite always meet the expectation externally. Well, and also as well, I think from the agency perspective, you're involved in the technologies, you're involved in the finances, you're dealing with the airlines, the hotels, the car rental, etc. as well. So it's much broader. And so ultimately, invariably, travel buyers are dealing with all of those as well. And so that's why I would say that. Yeah, good advice. So thinking about the future, uh, what do you think are the challenges that the travel buyer of the future will be focusing on versus where we are today? I'm not going to go over Brexit and those sort of things that are happening because I think that's a, a mystery to all of us at the moment. But I think the biggest challenge coming forward will be travel buyers actually embracing change. I think NDC is going to come and that's going to change how airlines are negotiated with. I actually do think dynamic pricing on hotels will become much more mainstream as well. And so I think for me, just in general, the travel buyer, the travel manager needs to be open to doing things differently. I think the industry is known for being one of the most disrupted with all the startups coming in. You talk about Airbnb and Uber. I mean, they're not a disruptor or a startup now. They're mainstream. And there's going to be many more mainstreams that come in. And so I would encourage everybody to learn about these companies coming in because, like I say, it's a known fact that the travel industry and meetings and events are actually considered one of the most disrupted industries out there. And so if you ignore what's going on, then you will get left behind. And so I think for me personally, I'm probably not the youngest travel manager out there. However, I have made it a point 
to learn about new technologies. I've made it a point to understand all the disruptors out there and figure out how they can adapt to our programme. And that's what I would encourage everybody else to do. There are so many developments and opportunities out there for travel professionals to understand and get their heads around. Where would you advise people to go to find out more about those things? So I think if we talk about the disruptors, I mean, I think there's Focusrite, there's Skift, uh, Plug and Play. I mean, those are known for having startups present with their new ideas. There's also then, if you think about what ITM have access to, GBTA, um, you know, there's many startups there as well that come, whether it be at the conferences or whether it be at the some of the different summits that are done. I think really, though, your own research, you know, whether it be looking on a search engine on the internet and then also the agencies all of the key agencies are looking at what disruptors and startups are out there. I think they recognise that they can't do everything. And actually, why should they try and develop everything when there's companies out there that are actually doing it? I think that whole Silicon Valley mindset um, is that people will start things, they'll try it, and then they may move on to the next thing. And it's costly. And the ones that work, though, why would the agencies want to try and invent that themselves? So... You know, we've done a lot of innovation days with the agencies. They will bring in five or six startups that present to us. Many of them we've never heard of. Invariably, when we see them, two of them we'll try and implement. That's sort of like our our target, that if we see six, we want to implement two. And that's exactly what we've done. And I would encourage everybody to do those types of days, actually, because... It opens your mind for a start, but also it um, collaboratively working with the agencies on doing that means that you've both got the vested interest in moving it forward as well. And I guess something else which is um, slightly underplayed sometimes is peer benchmarking and, and discussions. Travel managers are always very keen to share learnings with each other, aren't they? Sometimes even in companies that compete in other dimensions. But how much time do you spend sort of interacting with your peers in the travel industry? Yeah, we do a lot, actually, and we create our own benchmarking group. I mean, we're fortunate you know with the interaction through ITM that we get of course with the peers too but then you know we want to look at more innovative companies or our peer set and we'll set up meetings probably I would say every six months we're meeting with a different group of travel managers whether it be from the big four or whether it be from other companies out there that we we admire actually so you know we don't want to always look inward within our own industry we like to look outward and certainly Silicon Valley type companies is one that we tend to gravitate towards quite a lot as well because they challenge us actually and they look at things differently and help us to look at things differently. And talking of I guess benchmarking recognition one of my favorite topics with you any advice on how I can win as many awards as you do? You need to bribe the right people or own a goat. Because every time it seems when, when there is an award, the goat gets up before I do. Brian's getting at least as famous as you out there, isn't he? How, how is he doing? All of our listeners will know who Brian is, of course. <laughs> well, Brian is doing very well. And I've just found out that Brian's going to keep growing for another six months, which actually is quite scary because at the minute he's reaching about six foot six when he's on his hind legs. So wow, he's um, as tall as me. <laughs> he's twice the height of you. <laughs> Actually, Scott. So I'm going to return. You've changed the subject from awards. Where do you keep them all? (laughs) I can't believe you even asked me that question. Um, I have them in the house somewhere. In actual fact, some of them we've lost. We won a couple of team awards and we're actually do not know where they are anymore because we have a clear desk policy now at EY. 
And so I'm not entirely sure where two of the awards are any longer. I think they must be in a drawer upstairs somewhere in one M or six MLP, I should say. Nice problems to have. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, so thinking about your ITM chair, you're coming up towards three years at conference next year. It's, it's been a, an amazing period for ITM, seeing lots of positive change and, and developments. But what's the role done for you, given to you? I know you're a, a very passionately speak about it. Yeah, I think for me, and I did, wasn't sure what to expect when I went into it. I remember speaking to Mark in particular about it when I was taking over from him and then Simone before you came on, Scott. And, um, and they sort of said to me that it's difficult to describe what it will be like, but you'll love it. And it's so, so true. And I think for me personally um just the the different people that I've been able to interact with that I probably would never have interacted with has been fantastic working with the board you know is a great great bunch of people that all have the same goals in mind as to one wanting to better the industry and then of course the secretariat um who work tirelessly to deliver a massive amount and it's a very lean secretariat and when you think about how much has been delivered by that team it's phenomenal to be honest um but as well for me is the ability to give something back i had the opportunity a few years back to leave this industry and i never did actually i took advice from somebody of the two choices that were presented my way. And I guess the fact that I'm at EY now in a travel manager role tells you which way I went. But um, there's something very passionate that I feel about this industry. And I think it's a lot to do with the people. Um, and it's given me the most wonderful career and the most wonderful opportunities. And so the fact that I could give something back um, is that was really what I wanted it to be. And that's exactly what it has been. Obviously, always want to do more um balancing the the day job with the itm job is never easy but then scott you keep me on the straight and narrow on that and use me as you need to which we often talk about but i think though that ability to be able to give something back to this industry um which actually is very undervalued in many many organizations they don't realize the importance of travel and or meetings and events you know somebody put it to me once of our client facing team we're like the glue people running a travel program is like the glue in an organization bringing people together whether that be bringing internal people together or whether it be enabling our people to go to their clients but i think it's underestimated the importance of what this can bring and um, that's why i will always be passionate about it as long as i'm here and cannot believe actually that it's two and a half years now that I've been in the chair role because it really does only feel like yesterday that Simone and, and Mark and I were having that conversation around if I would apply for the chair role when it was. In a room not far from us I think as well. So. That's right. And actually you know we joke about the um the about uh, the home full of furry animals and, and and actually that's really important to you isn't it because you in a high pressure role like this you need to be able to decompress and, and relax and it, it, that's your primary way isn't it of relaxing it definitely is I think um, I mean I'm always been fairly passionate about animals I'm as passionate about animals as I am about the travel meetings and events industry to be honest with you but um, yeah I definitely there is nothing better when I've been on the road for two weeks and I go home and I put my baseball cap on and I put my welly boots on and I go and see the sheep the horses and the goat and of course, the husband, um, he's <laughs> invariably, there's no particular order there because he'll accuse me of there being an order in that because he came last on that list. There is no particular preference in order. I think you'd but be glad he, he got mentioned at all. That was good. 
Actually, he'll think that's a bonus, I would imagine. <laughs> Last thoughts on the um, on the home. I'll call it the farm because it's, a, it's such a it's a family group you've got there. Any animals that are missing from the collection that you'd still like to add? You know what? I would take on any animal that I possibly could, in fairness. Um, is there any missing? I, I sort of feel like I want to have another goat because the goat, <laughs> Brian's turned out to be so much fun. However, I think he's fun because he's one on his own. Donkeys have been on the list, llamas have been on the list, but my principle is they have to be rescues. I don't actually get an animal that I would buy per se unless it's come from a rescue place. And in fairness, llamas invariably don't need to be rescued. People want them anyway. So I think we're probably equipped. And actually, I think if I said to John I was going to be bringing back any more animals, he may actually leave. And I've got to say, you are often sporting an injury that's been caused by one of your furry friends, and you are today. So, and uh, some one of your cats got out of control on you over the weekend. Yeah, actually, the cat getting out of control is much less painful though than when I fall off one of the horses. <laughs> um, those injuries tend to be a little bit more extreme, but um, thankfully, touch wood, that's not happened in recent weeks or months. So we're on a roll on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, OK, we're coming towards the end. I've got the last two questions which I ask to all of our guests. So the first is that as a, a very regular traveller, we ask our, our guests on the podcast, how do you stay well when you're travelling? You spend a lot of time on planes, in hotels. What are the kind of things you do to, to look after yourself? I mean, I do always make sure I go to the gym when I travel. Um, if I get jet lagged, then I tend to go to the gym. Um, I just want to keep active when I'm traveling. Um, it's never that easy because of, you know, depending on the time zones that you're in. Um, but that is one thing that I always do do. And also drink a lot of water, actually. People may think that it's drink a lot of gin. That is mixed into it as well, but definitely drink a lot of water because I do actually think that makes a huge difference because traveling, you do dehydrate. So those are my two tips. Set the watch as well to wherever you're going. That's another key point. Set the watch to where you're going and eat to the times of where you're going. So if it's going to be midnight, even though it may be seven o'clock where you are and it should be dinner, don't eat dinner eat breakfast for the time then and that seems to work for me I rarely get jet lag as a result of um, abiding by those principles I've noticed that it's it's quite annoying because you're <laughs> when everyone else is flagging you're still going usually and I think that maybe that's an important point that um, personal wellness when you're traveling or otherwise is, is it's an individual thing isn't it? it's different for everybody yeah you've got to know what works for you I suppose exactly so last question, it's not meant to be morbid, but it always comes across that way. When it's all said and done, how would you like to be thought of? What would you like on that headstone? It has to be that she loved animals for sure. Um, and that'd be human animals and animal animals. Um, but I think it would be she enjoyed her life and she was fun to be with. I think that would be what I would want everybody to think. I think I'd put in brackets at the bottom. Have you got any cucumber? <laughs> Anyone who's been in, with, in a bar with Karen knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> so for this podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Karen Hutchins, thank you. Thank you.